0: Magnus Voller. I should have known it was you!
1: Hello everyone, and welcome back to another episode of the Indiana Jones Universe, a podcast in which we learn more about the character of Indiana Jones, exploring other content in the Indiana Jones Universe. As always, I'm Will. And I'm Max. And thanks for joining us for episode 24, in which today we're continuing our discussion and exploration of the Indiana Jones and the Staff of Kings video game. It's been a while since we've talked about this. I think it was like episode 11, was it, that we talked about the first level? Uh, But we're moving on to uh, one of the most important. Parts of the expanded universe in Indiana Jones, and we've been talking about the Young Indiana Jones television series a lot, and that's the main basis for where all of these extra stories come in. But just like in Star Wars, a lot of the video games also supply a lot of new stories and content for us. And video games nowadays are what I like to call them as basically interactive movies. And there is so much depth to a lot of these video games now uh, that it's almost like a story in a mini movie in itself. So. Uh, We're looking at one of my favorite video games of all time and probably a really, really good Indiana Jones story that some consider would have made an even better movie than Crystal Skull. So uh, we're moving on to level two, San Francisco Chinatown. And just as a bit of a refresher, uh, the first level was Sudan when uh, Indy actually travels to Sudan and is looking for this sort of artifact, obviously. Mm -hmm. And then he meets with uh, Magnus Voller, uh, an old uh, friend that he had in college. And he is, of course, after uh, this certain artifact, just like Indy is. And, of course, Indy learns how to throw some punches, use the whip, all that sort of stuff as you move progressively through the game. And towards the end, there was a scene in which you can control a plane. And you went through this kind of cave in Sudan, and then you ride off into the sunset, and we transitioned right here in a level two San Francisco Chinatown. Uh, Now, before we get started, one thing I did want to mention that we didn't bring up last time is we are talking about the... PS2 version of the game. And actually, I don't really play video games that much, so I was actually able to get the PS2 version of the game to work on my personal computer at home. So I'm actually playing Staff of Kings on my computer, and if you want to learn more how to do that, you can look it up online. Uh, But, uh, just as kind of a frame of reference as we're going on here, that's what we're referring to when we talk about the game. So, without further ado, let's jump right in, shall
0: we? Yes, we shall. So, something I found very interesting. One... The scenery is beautiful in the first cutscene here. You know, we have the fireworks, and we have Indy, and we have just just beautiful scenery. Like, right. it's kind of like, and, at first, you know, when I saw the fireworks, I thought, oh, we're actually in China. But no, it because, you know, there's that building that kind of looks, it's right. very uh, Chinese style. But, right. you know, then we, as we'll learn later, you know, this is just, uh, you know, our neighborhood in San Francisco, right? Right.
1: And what I found interesting, too, is talking about that Chinatown aspect of San Francisco, this is a kind of location we've never really seen before in an Indiana Jones movie. No. Or anything. And we talked about this in our Filming Locations episode. How the Filming Locations really uh, express this idea and give you that nostalgic feel. And two of the themes that I think I found in this second level that really got me, first of all, interested in the game in the first place. And these two motifs that I want to bring up and talk about today. The first one, the classic indie-style adventure. And this is a motif that we've been talking about throughout basically the entire podcast, and one that we're going to reiterate. And what we mean by a classic indie-style adventure is what is that nostalgia? What what makes you feel like it's like the movies, right? Right. Because that's what really gets fans and gets us interested in these stories, is when we have, you know, a little bit of hints at things Harrison Ford would do as things that were in the movies. And a lot of that, what I feel like, was presented here in Chinatown. And, to, and the second thing is to add the locations right. to that aspect. It really gives you that indie style feel.
0: Yeah, I mean, you know, what's... A, you can't just ha- say, oh, this is an indie adventure, and go walk hiking in the woods and find, you know, just a piece of metal. Right. That's not an indie adventure. Right. An indie adventure consists of... A lot of main things, but right.
1: it's very specific in right. terms
0: of the order that we're looking for in a good story, and that's one of the reasons
1: that I think Crystal Skull, whether you liked it or not, you can still argue was a different kind of forefront. It was a different frame, right, in the Indiana Jones style that we had here, and so going Hence off that's the of
0: reason that, we will be having a four-hour rant on it, but that's right? not I mean, fine.
1: <laughs> <laughs> but one of the things that I liked about this was that we had that, and so we have this new location, obviously, and we have this narration from a man by the name of Archie Tan, as he is talking about something called the Jade Sphere and the disappearance of Indy's old professor, Charles Kingston. And this is something new that we've never heard of before. We don't right. know who Charles Kingston is, Archie Tan, Magnus Voller. Characters are completely new here, which is really, really nice. And uh, we see then Susie Tan, Archie Tan's, do- uh, I think, you know granddaughter or something. Yeah. And... Then all of a sudden she gets abducted.
0: Kind of like Marion in uh, Raiders of the Lost Ark. Exactly.
1: A great idea going off of that nostalgic feel right here. Yes. And we'll start bringing up a lot of those as we go throughout. Yes, there are many of them. Exactly. And then, right here actually, Indy runs through this kind of alley area as one of my favorite uh, pieces. Well, I say that about every John Williams piece by this point. Yeah, right, okay. (laughs) One of my favorite tracks from Temple of Doom, Fast Streets of Shanghai. And it almost gives you that Temple of Doom kind of, you know, thought in your head, right? You know, because it, it had a little oh, bit of that similar style of Temple yeah. of Doom. Right? And he's running through the alley, right? Susie is I mean, being taken away here. And we, he plays that as we see him go through this Chinatown alley. and
0: I mean, it's fitting. Shanghai is in China. So, right. you know, it's it is very, fitting. very fitting. And also,
1: th- then we, we're done with the cutscene, right? We actually start getting into the mainframe of the game here. First thing I wanted to mention, talking about Temple of Doom feel, right? And this kind of idea here. Indy kind of explores these back alleys of Chinatown. As they right. Say. And the first thing I noticed is it has this very city, kind of almost dark and gloomy kind of, in, in terms it, of the concept yeah. art. Yeah. And the concept art kind of conveys that. It And it kind of gives off this very kind of scary dark tone here that yeah. as Indy goes through these back alleys of Chinatown, which, by the way, great concept art for this. I really like the idea of that.
0: Yeah, it kind of gives off, you know, like that the vibe that something's not right here, or someone's watching you, or something right. like that, exactly. you know?
1: exactly. And that happens right as
0: Indy turns the corner, all of a sudden,
1: we see a bunch of these guys here, right? right? And this is in the, basically, the first kind of fight that Indy explores in this level. And uh, what plays is, actually, the track you heard today, uh, Chinatown Alley Fight, by Gordy Hab, one of the composers uh, for the game. And one of the things you noticed originally is that this soundtrack actually is kind of based off of something by John Williams here. Yes,
0: it sounds suspiciously like Slave Children's Crusade or the Parade of the Slave Children by John Williams, which is used in Temple of Doom. Right. Which I find very interesting because, you know, if you listen to any of Gordy Hab's music and Ray Haran's music, you will notice that a lot of the tracks that they wrote for this game sound suspiciously like John Williams. Which, right. Which, I mean... I guess is a good thing because you know they're modeling after John Williams. It, it it's for an indie game. What do you expect? Exactly. But you know, I just found that very kind of interesting. And this sound this li- literally this is basically I would say a remix of Slave Children's Crusade. It
1: literally is. But again, going off of that, it makes you think of Slave Children's Crusade.
0: Therefore, it makes you think of the movies. Right. right. So all the merrier. And it's- I mean, I guess this you could say even this. Um, this level may be based off of Temple of Doom. I, in and a sense,
1: I mean, you talk about the 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 opening there, right? When they, when you know, he's with Short Round and Willie, and they're going through that car chase there. That same sort of setting and idea, but this time a little bit more kind of toned down, almost. Yes. And then what's interesting here is uh, you obviously fight the guys. And first of all, I really like the combat in this game. Yes. I, I just wanted to start off with that. I really like the combat in this game. I think this game has, and we've already seen this in these first two levels, has a great mix of everything. Yeah. We have exploration, open world type stuff. We've got indie fighting and punching, using the whip, not just for combat, but yeah. also, and we see this a lot for almost physical objects, right? Uh, when he goes through like the window panes, right? right. When he moves boxes. Uh, When he whips shacks down on enemies. Right. (laughs) All this sort of stuff. And I really like that. And then you have, sometimes, you know, we we had this plain aspect in the beginning that really, really was nice. It was such a nice variety. And so, especially when you're fighting these guys, too, um, what I like is you're able to use different combinations of punches and also use your whip in whatever way you want. Because it makes you kind of almost feel like you're indie, right? You have the choice right. to do that
0: kind of thing, right? You know, I mean, you don't, ex- you you get to choose what you're doing, like what character you're going to be, or how you're going to portray the indie character in this game, right? Exactly. You know, you could just be a lazy bum and just whip all your enemies, or you could decide to smash them into fish tanks, right? And all <laughs> this sort of stuff,
1: exactly. And so it it almost gives you a little bit of freedom to control indie as a character, right? Which was which, which was really interesting and. So, as, uh, and actually, they were sometimes hard. Some of the Oh, yeah. Now, they were sometimes hard a little bit as you're going through the game. Especially as they progress and get harder a little bit. These ones are a little bit easier but just a few, four or five guys. Sometimes you guys got guys running out of nowhere. And all of a right. sudden, you've got, you know. Uh, Ten or fifteen
0: guys there, right? right? All,
1: all of a sudden. And then, right after, uh, he defeats all the enemies there. Uh, then we see Susie Tan being taken away and abducted by the other guy. Right. Who shoots at Indy. And then we see a small cutscene as uh and and this i like that they added this first of all because it was funny (laughs) and secondly because it does kind of reiterate that they are in a back alley of chinatown right as this guy basically throws a bottle at one of the enemies and it's like i'm trying to sleep here you know right (laughs) which was hilarious and then We've got more guys that come up, and this is when right. Indy actually, if you noticed, you could have actually whipped the shack down on the enemy. Which he does. He right. Like, Crack so, that whip. and just, I mean, like right. start Exactly.
0: You know, you could just whip stuff instead of, you know, punching the guys. Right. But, and that's one of the things that we learned in the first level, is that
1: you could actually use your surroundings to almost dictate how you get rid of the enemies. Right. We see that in a variety of spots, which I like they included that because I feel like that's something Indy would do. That is, is something Indy would do, I think, in a lot of these movies. And you have to bring back some of these things that Harrison Ford would do.
0: Oh, yeah. You definitely I mean, do. It's de- Definitely, especially the stuff that Indy does, like breaking through windows or fighting guys, is definitely in the style of Harrison Ford.
1: It definitely is. Yeah. And then, uh, as this battle is over, what I noticed in terms of just the music aspect of this, uh, they played, like, five-second snippets of tracks to almost signify the end of the battle. Right. Which is really cool because, you know, it has some of those, you know, Raiders themes, you know, those John Williams themes that right. you know, we hear throughout. And then we continue searching and climbing. And one thing I noticed, I don't know if you noticed this, as you're searching and climbing around right before we actually get into the Loud's Chase Lounge itself, you can hear the sound effects
0: on the main streets that Indy passed before. Right. It's very interesting, you know. They put so much detail into just the music and the um, sound effects in this game. You really get a feel for where you are. Now, that'll get a whole separate episode on its own after we're done right. reviewing SOK. Okay, we'll review the soundtrack because it's uh, phenomenal. Great soundtrack,
1: right. But, yeah. But even, you know, the music and, sa- and even these kind of ambient feel. Right, just, you know, these, the, you know, the, that, the that little was...
0: sound effects there. Exactly,
1: exactly. And so then, uh, also, there was an artifact. We talked about how you can get artifacts, right? Uh, which is like just a Lego green movie. hat, Right. Um, but what I found a little bit disappointing is you couldn't actually see the real artifact. I, I like the archaeology aspect of Indy, right. and so it was just a green hat. Now, if you go into the journal in the main menu of the game, you can actually read on what each artifact was. So that's nice if you're kind of into the archaeology yeah. story. But in terms of finding it, it was just a green hat to symbolize you found the artifact. So right. that was one over the bunker there. And then uh, Indy uh, then moves kind of this warehouse area. And this is what we talked about. He uses these physical forces to move the objects and uses his feet to actually get into the warehouse area. And then he actually gets into the what's supposedly called the Lau's Chase Lounge.
0: Right, which has its own song on its own, which you've, I mean, named loud Chase Lounge, but right. it's a beautiful, you know, it's a nice, uh, upbeat piano theme. Kinda right, like, and it has oh. that kind
1: of old record, kind of grainy
0: sound as right. you're under the basement
1: itself. So that was really cool that they had that in there as well.
0: Yeah, and, you know, you'll notice they have all this counterfeit money kind of sitting around. Like, it really gives it that eerie feel a little bit, you know, like... What's going on here? Who's Lao Che? Now, Lao Che is uh, from Temple of Doom, as you'll recognize, you know, in the uh, uh, Shanghai Club. You know, he's one of the... Uh, Le- well, he has a bunch of henchmen. You know, Chen, Wu uh, Hu- Wuhan Ku Khan, you know? Yeah. All of these people. But here, he's just, you know... I guess it's kind of cool that they incorporated him into this game, too, which doesn't really base off of any of the movies. Right, he's not even in the game, but no, that's what it's called. Right, you know? And it's very, very interesting... And you know something I wanted to mention, especially here, I like that they when Indy crashes through the window and that he lands in the basement, not just in the loud chase laboratory. It kind of it gives it a feel that Indy is actually on the adventure. Right? He has wow. to. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> he has to find where where he where he, you know his uh, girl has been taken to, or right. Marion. We'll say the Marion girl. Right? You know. As in just when we start off with Temple of Doom. He just starts out in the lounge, right? Right, exactly. Instead of, you know, um, you know, having to find the place where he's going.
1: Exactly. And when, when you get that artifact, uh, you actually get into the actual lounge itself. And uh, then we see all these enemies right. in this area. There's a guy playing a live piano. There's a pool table. Again, concept art, great for this. Yes. I love that they made it feel like the time period. And you also had these weird fish tanks in there, which we actually learn you (laughs) can use. And there's also a gong in there. So, you know, all these enemies are in there. And you know what I find funny? The guy's just playing the piano the whole time. Yeah. Well,
0: all of this havoc is just wrecking behind him. Now, as we'll find out uh, very soon, the... Uh, the piano guy is kind of a good guy, I guess you could say, right. he's, well, or a neutral guy, we'll say, because he's he's not on uh, he's not on uh, Laughtay side, but he's also not on indie side. Right. He, he's I mean he's just being paid to play the piano, and and the track that he's playing sounds a lot like a song by Scott Joplin called The Entertainer. It ah. sounds very much like it, and I kind of like that. I mean it's a kind of an upbeat ragtime song, you know, and. He, you know, he's playing this while Indy is smashing guys into pool tanks and putting those pool cues to good use by, yeah just, you know, kind of rack, whacking the guys over the head. Right. He's like, let's put these pool cues to good use now, is something he would say. What,
1: what I actually like, though, about the enemies is they had small little one-liners every now and then. Right. Like, oh, get him or something like that, you know? And he's I getting li- away or something right, like exactly. that, you know? And I like that they did that because it almost, it, 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 the enemies are not just there. They actually right. do say stuff, and it almost feels like they're reacting, because whenever you do a certain punch or a certain whip move, the game actually has those certain phrases on almost like, kind of like, auto-generated, right. in a sense. So they'll, they'll come on
0: after you have done that specific move. And so I like that they did that, because it did kind of add that feel to it. Right, it really does. So, you know, after he, India's fought all the guys, all the guys are dead, or they're passed out, who knows what, you know, the guy's like... Your girl is upstairs. Hurry before it's too late, right? right. And we're like, uh-oh, what's going to happen? And then we see Indy get pushed out a window with this big buff guy. Right, which is, and this is the
1: first time we really see kind of this almost like, I guess you could say... Boss kind of, boss of guy? Boss kind of guy, yeah. Right,
0: I mean, he's a lot harder to fight than the other, but not too hard. He's right, not you actually, ma-
1: you can't whip him. He no.
0: actually grabs hold of the whip. And, and pulls you pulls in. Him,
1: pulls you in, Right. And so you actually have to, and you can't even punch him either. You can only punch him on the counter attack, right? Which is really interesting, but it does make it kind of fun. It right? does, and you kind of wait right until he goes in for the punch, and then you go right back at him. You can also hit him with objects, which right. actually is something that we see a lot here. You can use your objects you can to use kind like, of fight guys, you know, and stuff stones
0: like that. or right you know, Any,
1: chairs, anything that's around in the area. Right, basically
0: bash stuff <laughs> over his head. Right, I
1: mean that that's what's crazy about this, and so. Then, after you defeat the boss, uh, you, this fireworks factory gets, like, blown up, in a sense.
0: Right, where this where, uh, Indy has seen this guy take the girl in, right? Right. And then it goes, boom! Right. Now, obviously, it just is set on fire, but... And Indy, like, runs in. He's like, Indy fights you know, Indy just runs into this burning place, which is kind of interesting. You know, it reminds me a lot of Into the Mountains and Marion's Bar. Ah. You know, because, you know, Indy is fighting all these guys in the bar, and he's also fighting here inside while this place is burning to ashes, you know? Interesting you bring that up. I found a little bit of a hint to this. So,
1: when he goes in, Indy is kind of in this fireworks factory. Uh, You'll notice that a sound, that uh, one of the tracks that plays is from Raiders. One of the classics. The Fist Fight slash Flying Wing. It plays? I it did does. not notice it, that. One of the classics. And what's interesting is, first of all, that track obviously gives you that Raiders nostalgia, right? Right. But you mentioned how it almost felt like you were in Marion's bar with everything kind of on fire and you have to fight all these guys. Right. That's what I like. It also reminded me a little bit of when he's fighting the guy at the plane. And. You'll notice some of the moves that you can do. There's glory moves that you can do, which 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 give you extra points and stuff, when you can actually go onto the pipes and swing it and then kick the guy from there. One of the things that you'll notice when you just kind of fight the guys in this general area is it does kind of seem like something Harrison Ford would do in Raiders of the Lost Ark. And that's one of those things where the music just adds to it.
0: Speaking of Raiders of the Lost Ark, let's talk about the revolver. Because that happens right after this scene, right? Exactly. They teach him how to use the revolver, right? Which is very interesting because, as as we see in Raiders of the Lost Ark, instead of fighting the guy with a sword or glory right, moves, just he just takes out the revolver and shoots the guy. You right know? now,
1: bring, Now, here's something I wanted to talk to you about. The revolver is not something that's always used.
0: Yeah, not always. The Revolver
1: is kind of... We talked about this, actually, now that I'm remembering this, in our Cracked Out Whip episode, episode five. Ah, yes. The early days of the podcast, as I like to say. Yes, (laughs) the early days. And we talked about the Revolver being part of the India Attire, and I remember we had this distinct discussion and debate about how should we consider the Revolver as part of the India Attire, because... He doesn't use it in some of the movies. Right. We don't see it on him in some of the movies. And in some of the other movies, or in some random scenes, all of a sudden he has the revolver. Right. And in this case, too, he uses the revolver a lot, just in this level alone. Right. Do you like the fact that they
0: incorporated the revolver into this game, or not really? Kind of. I mean, it definitely hints to Raiders of the Lost Ark a lot, but I don't know if I exactly like how they used it here.
1: Because it is sometimes used Almost as much as the whip, in this sense.
0: Yeah, they I mean... They do use it a
1: lot. I, and, I, and I don't think India is known to be someone who really just... His whole objective is to preserve history. Put it in a museum, right? And I don't think he's going with the intention of using a revolver to kill enemies. Right. You know, he punches them, knocks them out for a few seconds. But, so, the fact that they use the revolver so much, I'm not sure if that... if, if If you really like that, because that's not something that Indy would have done, really, in the movies that much.
0: Yeah, I mean, it's not... Again, he only uses the the revolver once or twice in Raiders, I think, right? Yeah. You know, Uh, he just uses it to shoot the guy, and that's about it, and then we don't see it really ever again. As here, he uses it for most of the combat stuff, especially. Exactly. there's, There's at least two or three shootouts here, and... In a sense, he almost uses it more than he uses the whip in this level, which I don't, I mean, I kind of like it. It gives it a new perspective. Yeah. But I don't like it in terms of it doesn't really represent indie like Indy. I, I, I completely
1: agree with you. I like the new perspective. Not sure if I agree with it in terms of indie as a person. Now, one thing I did like, speaking of new perspectives, uh, there was a lot of almost like exploration and climbing going on. You'll notice you had to climb on a lot of these boxes and a lot of these structures to get to different areas. Right. I like that personally. And especially yeah. it feels very interactive in the game because yes. when Indy does all these physical things and does all these crazy stunts, right, we don't think much of it. Here, you know, you're the one climbing on the boxes. You're the one getting to the next level. And I like the fact that we had this kind of climbing exploration aspect as, you know, you we went throughout this kind of area that we were in. Then Indy what's what's interesting is He falls out the window here. Into this alley. Right, into this alley. And we see the guy raise the stairwell as Indy goes... To the fire escape, To the fire escape.
0: And then... Indy, you know, is kind of like, well, what am I going to do? And then he sees these boxes and this um, garage, I I think it was, or some some structure that was low enough that he could get to it, right? And he climbs on that and goes on this ledge, and that way he's able to access the fire escape without having to, um, you know do whatever, you know, right. I guess shoot the guy now, from down below.
1: One thing I did like a lot and we see this throughout the game and we see this throughout the movies. You you mentioned how he whips to the ledge. Right. He just barely gets there. Right. On the tip of his fingertips and actually the game is created so that it like, oh, just whip you get across. No, 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 no. You could barely get across, and then you actually have to use the controls to actually almost, like, hoist yourself up. Right. Because you're almost, you're dangling there, and I like
0: that because that's something we'd see in the movies. Right. Speaking of the whip, when I, when he first fell out of the window and he pulled up the fire escape, my thing, when he climbed up on the boxes, I'm like well, why didn't he just whip down the stairs again? It's yeah. easier than climbing yeah. up on all this ledge. Like, right. his whip is long enough. A fire escape is not that high. you could have just whip the thing down and well, Martin right that's up. That's true. I mean, <laughs> I mean, I didn't understand why he didn't do it.
1: But, I mean, you know, it's, I mean, it, here's the thing. It, I, I, mean, mean, it's, I mean, in the game, if you would have said the whip down in the fire escape, it would be like, all right, what's the point, you know? Yeah, but but it, that well, is true. I think, like, to your point, using the whip a little bit more is something I would have liked to see. They do use it a lot, and they do use it a lot in some of the other levels, but I I would like to see more of the whip, just because, and and even in the movies, too. Right. I I, I go back and think about this now. The amount of times we see the whip is actually not as great as you may think. No, it's not as much as The first time we see Indy with the whip action is in the, um, uh, is in, what's it called? Uh, oh, Cairo. Yes, right? when you know he's starting to fight some of the guys and Marion's with him and the Monkey Man and all that sort of stuff. Actually,
0: oh, that's not the first time he uses it. When he's inside the temple and there's that big gap. Oh yeah, sorry, sorry, so sorry. So he w- tries to whip across. Throw just, me the whip, wow. I'll throw you the idol. Right?
1: Yeah. Sorry, and he uses it. Okay, in the uh, what's it called? He uses it in the Marion bar too. Sorry, my bad. But you know, you get the point. The, the first time he uses it a lot is in that scene, and specifically too, I just feel like. I like that the whip is always on hand here, and the whip is always kind of a mode to do something. Right. And then uh, you mentioned these gunfights. This is the first gunfight that we have. Right. Uh, that goes through this kind of building, and then
0: which we see It looks like a hotel. I wanted to mention it looks like an old abandoned hotel almost. Something like
1: that. Yeah. And actually, one thing that I like too is that this revolver definitely feels like something Indy would use. So it's not so much that you know it kind of goes against something that Indy would do. But, you know, it is a little different than him using the whip all the time. And then we transfer into the biggest kind of almost like battle that we've seen yet. Yeah, kind of the
0: mid-game boss fight, I guess you could say.
1: Exactly, and Indy climbs up on the rooftops of Chinatown. And speaking of which, a lot of these tracks that we've used are unreleased. And actually, on our website, we have a link to where you can access the Staff of King Center. You go down to the bottom, a channel called Wedwards 105. Uh, yes. Is where you can actually access a lot of these tracks in a Staff of Kings playlist. So go there, check it out if you're interested in some of the music, and we'll talk about it in a review, of course, as well. But moving off of that, uh, indie, you know, jumps down to the billboards, and the guy literally says, "There under the billboards," you know, they know it's indie, and you've got three different guys basically shooting at indie. And this is when I think they almost use the revolver a little too much. But what I did like is that you could actually shoot some of these other physical things. That actually went down on the enemies.
0: Right, you know you can, you know you can shoot this big water tower as we see. Right, you know as the guy runs behind. And I, something I love about this battle is he moves closer and closer. Right, he moves around in this battle. As most of the battles, you don't do that, or you move one or two times. This time, you're moving all over the place. Right, and this is right about the point that he rescues, you know, the girl who's been taken. Because this is that final boss who is. Uh, holding her captive, right, and he exactly. shoots the water tower, and the guy, you know, gets down. Then he moves, but the guy gets back up because water's not going to hurt him, right? Right. And then he shoots down the sign, and that's really what kills him because you know he gets electrocuted, and water and electricity don't really
1: mix. <laughs> right. Now, one thing I did actually like too that I wanted to bring up is I like how Indy uh, goes on the goes on the on the wire line on the whip. I really like
0: that. That was awesome. I, I really yes. like that.
1: That 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 to me is a classic Indy move. Something Harrison Ford would do. I really like that. And especially the concept art here. Very elaborate. I like that. And so the dragon light, like you mentioned, obviously, is what Indy gets Susie to safety. And then the balancing of the whip is how Susie gets I like that. Very interesting. This new use of the whip here. Almost like a balance beam in a sense.
0: Well, she's not on the whip. He's pulling her, but she, but you have to control where the whip is exactly. so she can balance on these wooden boards so she doesn't fall in the water and get electrocuted right. just like the enemy. You know, Which is
1: very, very interesting. And then we transfer into the cutscene. So we finally had this whole point about, okay, let's rescue uh, Archie Tan's granddaughter. Right. Now we transition to what's really going on here. We get to Archie Tan's office. Right. And which basically is ransacked, as we see when we walk in. Yeah,
0: I mean, the enemies have been there. You know, they're looking for... I mean, that's why they captured his granddaughter, right? Right,
1: and so Archie now, we find out, is abducted, just like Kingston was. So now we've got two people missing, and Indy clearly knows what's up. And so Susie mentions that they started asking for something called the Star of the Orient. Yes. And Indy doesn't really know what this means, and nor does Susie. And then he started, says, did they mention anything about the Jade Sphere, which is what was referenced in the letter... And uh, Susie says, well, what's the jade sphere? And Indy's you know, like, eh, probably nothing. And what I really like is, as the music plays, we see a cutscene of Indy's eyes move around. And he notices the bookshelf and how it's a little bit out of order. And he thinks that's where this secret you know, space is that he's trying to find. Right.
0: Speaking of him grazing around in the office, something I wanted to mention... We mentioned last episode that the indie voice for this was great. Right. Now, in this part, I didn't really like it. It does not sound like indie this much. I did not... uh, It sounds a little bit like whoever the voice actor is is trying a little bit too hard. Okay. As where it doesn't, you know... Come off as Indy now. Again, he's great throughout the entire game. I could not do a better impression. I'm not right. very good impressions. You're great at impressions, and even you can't do a very good right, impression. Right, right. It's Indy Harrison Ford. What do you expect? I mean, but it literally,
1: he does such a good job. But I do see what you're saying. There are times when it does. You can tell the difference. Right. But I mean. You're talking about some other voice actors. I mean, I don't. I can't think of anyone better to hire, well, besides Harrison Ford himself, right? <laughs> then John Armstrong, I think is his name, who did the indie voice, and right. I really like that. And speaking of voices and characters, I just wanted to mention this, and we haven't really talked about this. How about the fact that we have all new characters here? We don't have any nostalgic sort of characters and things that have been in past sort of uh, events or sequences, Brody, Salad, none of these guys are here. And we mentioned this in uh, the first level. This is taking place just after Last Crusade, by the way, mm-hmm. for those of us who are wondering. Um, and so I like that it was just everything's new. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's nice. Everything's new. You're starting fresh, which is which was an interesting move, but also a good one, right? Portray anyone other than Indiana Jones in a video game, that seems a little risky to me. Yes. You know what I mean? You know, because Indy is a little bit easier to portray in these types of roles, but I'm not sure if you... Then you're talking about something that is almost incorporating every character, right? Right. So I like that they did have a lot of these new characters in there. And so then there's an you go through the bookshelf. And actually, uh, one of the things I liked about this game is the artifacts were not easy to find. No, they were not. You really had to look for them, and especially in one of the later... They were
0: not in just out open places. You really had to go out of your way to go find them, right? Which is,
1: I like that, because in a game like this, when you get to the end of the game, and one of the things that I was a little bit disappointed with when you get to the end of the game, you're basically done. Come right. back in two years, open up the game again, you're like, oh, you know, this was a fun game, let's just play the whole thing again, right? Right. Other than that, there's nothing really to do. And I like the artifacts and the glory moves, just those little things that you find along the way. Right. And also, too, because that's something that I think would have been cool to see in the movies with Indy, him finding all these archaeological yeah, treasures the Yeah, that would way. have been cool. So when the bookshelf closes, right, you think, oh, just go down the stairs. You go back up, there's a small corner where one of the artifacts is.
0: Right. I forgot about that. Yes, there's that small corner. And, you know, he goes down these stairs, right, and infiltrates the lair, which looks suspiciously like the Molar-Rom lair, kind of. It really? Kind of, interesting. Well, I mean, the from the perspective in, of Indy, you know, he's hiding up in that little... Oh! And, and he's down on it. Now, I'm glad it, you mentioned that. It, it kind of looks a lot like that. Now, wow, some, interesting. Something I wanted to mention, him pushing the bookcase back and going down there... Reminds me of the movie Tron Legacy, which actually came out two years after this. Which is very interesting, because in Tron Legacy, um, Flynn his son, moves Tron back and goes down into this secret area. Ah. And it reminds me a lot of this because it's kind of the same you know, concept, like this secret area that nobody knows about. Right. And just because you notice, you know, in the movie, he notices some scratch marks on the floor. Here, yeah. he notices the bookcase out of place.
1: Another thing that I thought was interesting is towards the end of the uh, level here, we learn that Archie Tan was keeping the Jade Sphere because uh, Kingston told him to keep it. Right. Meanwhile, I was thinking about this after the fact. He has this whole layer down there. Right. Just to get to the Jade Sphere. And we didn't really know who Archie Tan was. Clearly he had something else going on. He, he clearly was like Indy in the fact that he had a lot of rare antiquities. And I want to bring up that fact that you talked about, about uh, potentially that cinematic choice. Right. He have Indy looking over just like in Temple of Doom. Right. Dead. And meanwhile, we have this large room and the guys are talking and they're like, uh, you know, if we don't find that Jade Sphere, we're all dead men. Oh, you know, right. we gotta look for this thing. You know, the you know, maybe the boss was wrong. As you know, they can't find it, they don't know where it is. And we see all these artifacts in Indy looking down as the medallion plays, which is a great track. Because right. remember, it's just like when Tote and the other guys come into Marion's bar, and right. it gets very suspicious and very, you know, climactic. Yes. And the
0: same thing happens here when you play that track. Right, and Indy, you know, it, it plays as Indy is crawling across the ledge and pushes the bail down. Right. And the, and the guy's like, what happened? And jumps down, and he's like, let's go. Right. You know? Now, another
1: glory move you could do, if you went farther, there was a huge chandelier at the yes. end of the room. You whip the chandelier, it goes right on the boss. I did not notice that. Which was that. a bit of a glory move, which was really, really cool. I like that, to have that. And then Indy jumps down, and the fight begins. And then, uh, of course, there's a huge fight here, uh, as what's really, really cool is this is one... Of, each of the fights kind of gradually get a little bit harder. Right. And then, once the fight is actually done, Indy finds this chair, this mechanism. Right. And he gets in it, only to realize there was an enemy still there. Shoots it, it, you know, uh, gets off the rail... And then you actually have to use the controls to, as Indy fidgets with the lever to get it back on the rails. <laughs> right. To and try it's going and... down this spiral, spiral staircase. Then Indy jumps off, gets onto some sort of structure, which is actually the top of a mast on an old sailing ship. Right. As one of the young Indy tracks that's unreleased, the Great Wall, which we used in our Journey of Radiance episode plays as Indy looks over this huge old bunker, this shipyard that clearly has been, you know, caved in as they built above the street level. And Indy looks over all this stuff and sees the sign that says the Star of the Orient, which is what they were looking for. And I love that snapshot. And then the mast starts creaking a little bit. Right. And then he has to whip and safely gets down with a thud at the bottom.
0: Right. And, you know, he notices this light shining through the wall where underneath where it says Star of the Orient. Yeah. He's like, and starts pushing it, you know, but he can't break through. I mean, I I don't think I can break through a solid wood wall. I don't think Andy could (laughs) either. Right. And And he's like, Gotta find something to break through there. Right, he's like,
1: there's gotta be something around here I can use. Right. (laughs) Which I
0: originally thought was actually from uh, Raiders of the Lost Ark, which is not. It's from here. It is from
1: here, yeah. It does sound like something he would say in Raiders of the Lost Ark. Again, going back, those little one-liners that he says. I also like how we see this in some of the later levels as well. Indy almost kind of talks to himself himself sometimes, which is kind of funny. Yeah. Because it it does feel like you're listening to his thoughts and you are Indy. And so I like that. And so now, Indy, uh, there's another artifact you can go get if you go on top of the ship. And Indy uh, gets some of these wood logs together, whips them down in a certain way, and gets through the Star of the Orient. And then you go in this very creaky kind of board area as you go past this bookshelf area. Kind of like a shack, I guess you could say. Right. And then what I really like about this is as Indy turns the corner, right, he turns left, all of a sudden... He comes out, and he basically falls to his death. And then, you have to grab on instantly. It scared me. And then, uh, the controller vibrates as the entire other side and the floors just disintegrate down.
0: Yes. And that was scary. Something I wanted to mention about that shack that he walked through. It looks suspiciously like the shack from Springbank Adventure when ah. he's fighting Demetrius. It kind of does. Yeah, because, you know, that. the shack that he was in when he was fighting Demetrius, one, it's on fire, and this is this is now on fire, but it looks, it's very, very bright. Yeah. Right? But it's the the bookshelf on the sides are lined with artifacts, and they are also in the shack that Demetrius is in, trying That's to steal some more like he did in uh, My First Adventure. Right. <laughs> Not the point, <laughs> but, you know.
1: Um, right, so that was interesting, too. And kind of going back to our, you know, what we were saying earlier about that. And then, Andy goes up into this room, and the Jade Sphere isn't there. Right. So he's like, you know, maybe Archie moved it. And he comes out of the door, only to realize there is a... Flood of guys. Right, flood of guys, and they we want the Jade Sphere. And he's like, I don't have it, only to realize there's this huge crate... And in there is this glowing jade sphere. That's clearly evident that that's a jade sphere. Yeah, so it's I've a made, jade sphere. Okay. okay,
0: so so basically he's like, I want the jade sphere. Oh, well then you can go and have it. It's over there, you guys. Right, exactly. They're basically dumb guys who basically just want to pick a fight with Indy, basically. Right, and that's ba- exactly
1: what happens as they pick a fight with Indy. And this is the biggest fight that we've had yet. Yes. Lots of guys, and this one you had to use a lot of objects. I had to do this one multiple times. I didn't last with the health in there. And that was one of the things, too. As the health goes down, it goes down pretty fast, especially if Very you, you get beat tough by these guys. Yes. And, you know, once you're done with the battle, then you do a little bit more with the revolver as you have to shoot uh, some of these pulley mechanisms uh, that lets another mast of the ship go down, and Indy climbs over it as uh, the Raiders' March plays, as he goes and grabs the Jade Sphere, and we get to a cutscene at the end there.
0: Now, something I want to mention before you mention the cutscene there's a bit of a goof that I kind of noticed. Really? So as they're shooting across the two parts of the ship that have kind of separated with the revolver, right, the fire is burning. But the fire never actually spreads. Like, the fire... Oh. <laughs> a fire doesn't just burn and keep burning one. <laughs> wood. It spreads very quickly. And I guess it's y- lucky for Indy that it's not, you know, spreading because, you, exactly. know, like, if, you know, if it was spreading, Indy would probably be on fire by this point. Not yeah. the point. So, back to the cutscene.
1: Right. Now Indy actually has the uh, Jade Sphere here. And um, great concept art, by the way, for this. This whole scene going down the hill in Chinatown with a cable car chase. Oh! Really, really good. Right. And with That is right Voller. Right. And then we all have no, sudden notice Voler. And that was the quote that we used today. Voller. Right. I should have known it was you. as we see a henchman and what we believe is Archie Tan now. And he's basically captured, and he's like, you know, uh, give me the sphere. The sphere,
0: Jones. Give it to me or your friend dies.
1: Exactly. Right? And then Indy notices the cable car, and we see a little bit of, has his eye moves and notices the cable car. We also see that Archie Tan is kind of catching on to Indy's plan by this point. He's like, you want the sphere, huh? And then he has this wrapped thing that looks like a sphere. Which is? Tosses it over to Magnus Voller as... Bum, ba, dum, ba, bum, right. You know? And Archie Tan, you know, punches the other henchmen. They both jump onto the cable car chase, and Indy goes, Ta-ta! With his hand. Right. The right hand. And then Magnus Voller opens it up, realizes it's not, it's not the sphere, and then Indy is smiling away in the front of the cable car chase. She's like, oh, this is great. Only to realize... You got two
0: German cars coming on both sides of the cable car.
1: Two German cars?
0: I'm sorry, there's about ten in line behind yeah, it. But right, you know. exactly. <laughs> and then we really start getting into this serious chase. Now, and one thing I would I consider to bring- this the boss chase, even though exactly. there's not actually a specific person you're fighting, but you're fighting multiple, you know. And it was cars. hard. It you, was. And the
1: other thing you had to consider, too, is you had to switch from both sides, and you had both attacks coming from both sides, and if they got too close to the front, You had to start over. Right. So you had to... This was also a huge scene with the revolver. You had to use a lot of the revolver to shoot the cars. Right. And what I found interesting about this scene... First of all, hats off to the creators of the game. Very creative idea to include a cable car chase here. Yes. You know why? And I don't know if you felt this way. I felt like this would have been something Harrison Ford exactly would have done in the movies. Oh,
0: yeah. It's definitely something he would have done. It kind of reminds me of... um when he's fighting on the trucks, right? You yeah. Know? Yeah. And um, you know he's on the horse and trying to fight the tank. It reminds me a lot of that. Exactly. And, and the track two cable car chase. You mentioned you noticed a little bit of a similarity for another John Williams track. Yes, here. it reminds me of lo- a lot of um, uh, the minecart chase. Ah. From uh. Funny enough. You know actually, when they're when they chase as well. Right. When they're in the mines and you know fighting the guys on the next minecart track, exactly. right? And it just sounds a lot like it. I mean. To be fair, it's kind of like the similar kind of thing, you know, you're on a mine cart here, you're on a right. cable car. same kind of I
1: mean, it totally kind of is something he would do in the movies, too, and then right. once you defeat all the guys, the train slows down, and uh, we finally start here Archie Tan, and he asks about Voller, he's like, Voller, this guy clearly seems to have known you, and he explains there were college friends under Professor Charles Kingston, who is still disappeared right, right, right now, and he basically uh, went to the German black market, started working for some really bad guys. And that is the first thing that I thought of. Magnus Voller, to me, is a lot like Belloc. Oh, yes. He's a lot like Belloc. In the f- sense that, first of all, they were friends in college. Second of all, they were both good at some point, And turned, quote-unquote, evil because in, India's their... Their greed pres- got the
0: best of them, basically.
1: Exactly. Their greed got the best of them as India is still trying to preserve it in a museum. Voller is the new Belloc. And what I really like about this is... When you have a character that's going to feel like another character in Indy, it gets you more interested. So to have someone be like Belloc, and in this case Magnus Voller, I really, really enjoyed that. And I thought it was nice. And so, you know, then Indy realizes, all right, something's going on here, right? Clearly this Jade Sphere was worth killing for. It's time we start looking for answers. We need to go to the next place where Kingston started looking for this, Central America. Right. And that cuts off as we finish level two, San Francisco Chinatown, and we move into level three, Panama, which we will do in another episode, one of the more interesting episodes, sorry, uh, one of the more interesting levels of the game, Um, but
0: overall, what do you think of San Francisco Chinatown? I liked this level a lot. It's very, very action-packed, especially for the short time that it, I mean, if you were to do it perfectly, it really doesn't take that long to do it, but especially, it's very action-packed, very jam-packed with lots of action. And not so much, you know, just la- lazily going around, you know, right. like the first episode. It gets you involved. It does get you very now, involved. It's, what is
1: one, one thing I wanted to ask you, what did you think of the story? And what did you think of the actual location, the story, all that? Because it is very unique and different from other stuff we've
0: seen before. Right. I don't know about the story. Because, you know, again, we're saving, uh, you know, Kingston's granddaughter, right? Yeah. Which... We never really see, we don't meet Kingston at all, right? Yeah. And, you know, as Indy says in the end of the episode where um, uh, Archie is asking, you know, where are you going to go next? And he's like, same place Kingston did, South America. Yeah. You know, we don't really, the whole point of this was to get to the South America point and to, I mean, I guess you could say it's a mini game inside of the bigger South America part, I guess you could say. Yeah, that's true. I like it, though. But I also don't like it. it there's it, there's parts it, I like, there's parts I don't.
1: Is it too different from the original movies and something Harrison Ford would do? We, we've been talking about how... every the Sudan. The first level, to me, was perfect. I would not change a thing. When I finished and rode off into the sunset, that riding off into the sunset was such like Last Crusade. Yes. And I remember thinking about that whole level and being like, they couldn't have done a thing wrong with this. It felt perfect. It had the excitement of action. It had the whip, the fighting, the archaeology, the history, the greed from a character like Magnus Voller, the nostalgic feel of Raiders of the Lost Ark. Everything was perfect about it. Then we transition into this one that's very
0: different. But was it too different for you, or was it nice to get a bit of a change of pace? Uh, It it was interesting. Now, something I'm going to mention. I would consider this actually the first level. I would consider... I would consider um our previous level right yeah. I would consider that level 0 kind of a tutorial Exactly now, it's great don't get me wrong as you said it very very closely resembles last crusade especially the end where they're riding off into the sunset just right. like indie does But they just, there's not as much action as there is here
1: Now Ye- one thing that is reminiscent talk about what gives you that indie style adventure <laughs> This has a prologue Yes it does think about it let me give you an idea. And this was clever. And here's the thing. Let me tell you something. This wasn't an accident. There was no way this was an accident. No, this is clearly no way. intentional. And I love that they do this. Because here's the thing. Me personally, I like San Francisco Chinatown. Oh, I yeah. I think it's nice to have a little bit of a change of pace here, a little bit of a different storyline. But also, think about Raiders, right? We open up, India's going after the idol. He's going after the idol in this location, meets Belloc who seems like a little bit of a minor character, turns out to be the big villain. Right. Then we transfer into the arc, and Belloc reappears. Let's go to Staff of Kings. Indy starts off in Sudan, going after yet again another artifact, similar to the idol. All of a sudden we see Volar, who wants the idol. Indy runs away, escapes, just like he does, but just like in Raiders, Volar and Belloc both get the idol in their hands. Then we transition into San Francisco Chinatown, the actual part where Indy starts working with Archie Tan and figuring out what's going on, only to realize Voller was involved in all of it. My point being, you have such a great comparison and such a clear statement of writers here that I think what's so good about this game is it has a little bit of that new, uh, unique style that makes it exciting. You don't know what's coming next, right? but also you have s- the structure of... Is so similar to Raiders, and that's why I think these first two levels of this game have been absolutely great.
0: Yes. Speaking of structure, I love how the structure of these levels, and the scenes and like the mini fights that are in there between, you know, between the beginning and the boss. Yeah. Very closely resembles how it is in the movies. Like it, you know, for example, in Raiders of the Lost Ark, he's fighting Ballock in the beginning with the idol, and he, you know, he's uh, fighting Major Tote, but that's right. not the big part of it. You know, he he may have lost the battle, but the war is just beginning, kind of thing. Exactly, you know? that's... and that's the same thing here. He may have lost the battle against uh, you know Lao Che or something, right? But the war, he eventually wins the the big battle of in the middle of the war against Magnus Waller as he shoots the German cars and rides off. You exactly know?
1: those kinds of ideas and references. So uh, I think that was a great great level, and I think something that really went off of what the first level did very well. And Level 3 Panama, uh, I've played this game on my own already, and it is a great level, especially as we get towards some of the later levels. Very, very interesting. I mean, each one is just so unique and different. So uh, we will get back to Level 3 Panama eventually. If you are a fan of the game, we highly recommend that you play the game. It's a really, really great indie story. And again, learning more about the character of Indiana Jones, this is one of those expanded universe stories that is just so grand and is really... I mean, it felt like a movie to me already. It really does feel like a movie. So I think it was a great episode. And so uh, we're going to be moving on with Staff of Kings as well as a lot of the other stuff in the universe. We'll be moving on with the comics, the show, that kind of stuff, and also some other episodes. So uh, if you enjoy the podcast, uh, consider going to our website uh, where we have a lot of information for you there. are links uh, to explore more about Indiana Jones, a contact page if you want to ask us questions, uh, give us ideas for future episodes, stuff like that. Um, And we also uh, have all of our podcast episodes listed on a variety of podcast platforms for you to listen. So uh, thanks again for joining us, and we'll be back with another episode next week, as always.
0: Once again, I'm Max. And I'm Will. And until next time, so so long, long, Dr. Dr. Jones.